Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, March 16th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... I have just signed a state of emergency, which will equip our state with every resource we need to see this through. Testing, care, and relief for people in Mississippi affected by this global outbreak will be available, especially for those most vulnerable to the virus. Updates on the coronavirus in Mississippi. And the House passes a new abortion bill. Then, after a bite-sized tech, how to screen for and prevent colorectal cancer. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. After returning from a trip to Spain, Governor Tate Reeves addressed the people of Mississippi about the growing concern over the novel coronavirus. I have often described the people of Mississippi as resilient. We've weathered many storms together. We know that applies to our country as well. We know that we will come through this stronger, having gained wisdom and insights that only come with tough times. I urge all Mississippians to use caution. This is not a time to panic. We are acting calmly and steadily. In this state, we were prepared. We have a pandemic plan that is being followed to the letter. We have tremendous experts who are operating in a way that will protect the public health and save lives. We are listening to those experts and following their lead every step of the way. This is a time for great caution. I have just signed a state of emergency, which will equip our state with every resource we need to see this through. Testing, care, and relief for people in Mississippi affected by this global outbreak will be available, especially for those most vulnerable to the virus. The governor issued the state of emergency Saturday. The Mississippi Department of Health has identified four new cases of COVID-19, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus. Two of those cases have been reported in Hines County, with one case each in Capaya and Pearl River counties. The new cases bring the state total to 10. There are other reported cases in Forest and LaFleur counties. To date, the Mississippi Department of Health has tested some 90 patients for COVID-19. A Jackson State University student is among those who tested positive for COVID-19. The student is currently isolated at home. The Mississippi Department of Health has notified individuals who have been in contact with the student. These individuals have been advised of the proper protocol to monitor symptoms. A University of Mississippi Medical Center student is also among those reported to have tested positive. 
Governor Reeves says due to the nature of the virus, Mississippi can expect the number of cases to increase. To slow the curve, he urges residents to use caution and practice social distancing. You have heard the term social distancing. That is one of the most important things that you can do. That's what my family and I are doing. I'll be voluntarily working from home for 14 days out of an abundance of caution and care for others around us. Now, we have no symptoms. Everyone is healthy and strong, but we know that we have to be an example of caution and that is what we are doing. I will be asking my cabinet to allow any employees who can work from home to do so. We are encouraging other employers who can do the same. We are temporarily closing some offices, like those that issue driver's licenses, which present a special risk to staff and taxpayers. We are taking steps to protect inmates from the virus because the spread within our prisons could be a worst case scenario. We are working closely with hospitals, schools, and businesses to keep Mississippians safe. I am asking all of our schools to extend spring break by at least one week. We know that can be a burden on working families, and we are working hard to minimize that struggle. Mississippians look after one another, and we will work hard to take care of you throughout this time. We know more Mississippians will test positive. That is the nature of this virus. We also know that today we have what we need. We have tests. We have the funding we need. As we move forward, we will continue to monitor all of that and keep you up to date. We have incredible doctors and nurses. All of them deserve our thanks and our prayers. We are in good hands. With this state of emergency declaration, our experts have everything they need to execute our detailed plans. We will get through this together. Stay safe. Stay smart. Stay tuned to our further updates. Do not overreact, but do not ignore the risk. Pray for your neighbors and pray for people around the world. Together, with common sense and some sacrifice, we will emerge stronger than ever. State law gives the Mississippi State Board of Education the flexibility under a state of emergency to waive the requirement that schools operate for 180 days. Information regarding specific school district closures and suspensions, as well as other updates, can be found on the Mississippi Department of Education website at mdek12.org slash COVID-19. The Center for Disease Control has issued new guidance regarding mass gatherings. They are now recommending organizers cancel or postpone in-person events of 50 or more people for at least eight weeks. The Mississippi Public Service Commission is informing the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, or MEMA, an order has been issued prohibiting all water, electric, sewer, and natural gas shutoffs for 60 days in response to COVID-19. And a release statement, Commissioner Brandon Presley says this doesn't alleviate any customer's responsibility to pay their bills, but prevents service shutoffs during this period.
According to the PSC, municipalities who serve customers within their city limits or within one mile are not subject to the PSC's jurisdiction. MEMA Director Greg Michelle urges those municipalities to follow the guidance from the Public Service Commission to ensure that all Mississippians have access to their utilities during this state of emergency. To stay current on the latest developments concerning the coronavirus in Mississippi, visit mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up, the House passes a new abortion bill. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, guys. This is Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm inviting you to tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for quick, easy ways to incorporate healthy lifestyle into your daily routine. Be sure to tune in Mondays at 11 for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A bill to restrict abortions under certain circumstances is headed to the Mississippi Senate after House lawmakers passed the measure. House Bill 1295, referred to as the Life Equality Act, would ban abortions based on race, sex, or genetic abnormalities unless there's a medical emergency. Republican Tracy Arnold of Boonville supported the bill. He tells our Desiree Frazier abortion isn't restricted enough in Mississippi. I helped off the piece of legislation because I believe that all life is valuable. What would make that issue come up because abortion is already restricted to a great extent in the state? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it is restricted to a great extent, in my opinion. I mean, there's still a lot of people just aborting a child because they don't want a child. And, uh, of course, when conception takes place... I believe that that's an act of God and that a child is created with a life, with a purpose, and uh, that those uh, infants uh, deserve the right to, to live and to enjoy the gift of life that God's given them. Have you heard of instances where people have aborted a, a child, a fetus, whatever the terminology would be based upon those uh, factors? Uh, not really, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I have not heard of any instance of those, those occasions directly. Um, but I'm sure there are situations, uh, of course, Representative Crawford came forth with this piece of legislation and, uh, I just joined with her vision in, uh, seeing that we protect life. It also mentioned that it has penalties and sanctions, uh, for those who might do that. Your thoughts on penalizing folks? Well, you know, if you run over someone in your vehicle and you're under the influence of alcohol and you take a life, there's penalties for that as well. I mean, so, you know, to me, the simple solution to to the problem, if someone doesn't want to have a child, is to simply let somebody adopt that child and let the child live. In fact, I have two adopted children of my own. There are uh, abortion bills that have been passed recently in the past several years by the legislature, Uh, one uh, that would restrict it to the fetal heartbeat, another one for 15, and they both have been uh, blocked. Uh, That is is correct. A lot of times it's challenged, you know, by the the Supreme Court, Fifth Circuit, and so forth. 
um, our hopes and prayers are that eventually we'll be able to get some of these uh, pieces of legislation approved by the courts and or our president will uh, be able to, um, you know, to appoint Supreme Court justices that will share our views and to protect life in our country. Anything that I didn't ask you that is important about this issue? Well, you know, as we are looking at this coronavirus and people are a little bit afraid of, uh, of that and the life threats that it may bring about, I'd like to remind the people, you know, that at the threat of being aborted as a small child in the womb is a life just as well as someone walking around here on their own two feet. And you're a minister as well. I am. You pastor a church? I pastor a church called The Vineyard in Boonville, Mississippi. Thank you so much, Representative Arnold. Thank you. It's an honor. House Republican Tracy Arnold is from Boonville. Opponents of the bill, like Democrat Senator Barbara Blackman of Canton, calls it draconian. She believes this, like the other attempts to restrict abortion, will pass through the legislature only to get caught up in the courts. This legislature has done everything that it can to restrict abortions, does not allow a woman the right to choose, the right to control her own body. And that's just another means, another draconian measure in which to say, women, you have no rights in this state as it relates to your own body. Do you think it will pass the legislature? If it passed the House, I'm sure to pass the Senate. And it'll just be another opportunity for it to be challenged in the federal courts. And the federal courts have been holding um, have, have been declaring all of these bills unconstitutional. So it's another way for the state of Mississippi to waste taxpayer dollars defending an indefensible lawsuit. Thank you, Senator. You're welcome. Democrat Senator Barbara Blackman is from Canton. In the past two years, the legislature has passed two abortion laws. One limits them to 15 weeks of pregnancy. The other would ban abortions after a heartbeat is detected. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals blocked both laws, saying they're unconstitutional. Currently, the state's only abortion clinic provides abortions up to 16 weeks. Coming up after a bite, after bite sized tech, how to screen for and prevent colorectal cancer. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome to this week's Bite Size Tech. I'm Jay White. How often do you receive robocalls? For the average Mississippian, the number of these cantankerous cold calls that find their way into your hand can vary from just a few a week to a rage-inducing several per day. Jerry from Ashland tells us of the three-pronged tactic he uses to turn away the torrent of tasteless telephone tripe in this week's Bite Size Tech. I realize that this is a problem, and it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole, right? Right. Amen. Uh, that's, that's, that's probably the best yeah. analogy, definitely. So what I do is I don't give out my phone number. If I have to fill you know, you get those autofill forms that watch your phone number online or whatever, I put in my area code 555-1212 and let it roll. Because they don't need to call me. I don't need to give them my phone number to buy something online. They just That's just too bad. And that cuts down a lot of it. second one is I have an app called Hiya, H-I-Y-A. And that, the thing about high is, if a robocall gets through to you, 
you have the opportunity to market a spam and put a little note there, why it's spam or a robocall, or whatever, and then everybody else who uses this app will have that phone number blocked from there on out. So it's like crowdsourcing to block these bozos for a robocall. Excellent. And it has been very, very, very effective for me. I've, I've gone from you know several robocalls a day down to almost none a week. And the third thing I do is I used to be a DJ, and if somebody gets through to me and it's a person, I say, hello, you're live on the air at WVBS.Also. What can I do for you? <laughs> and, well, you're on the radio. What do you have to say to us? And then that does two things. One, it kind of embarrasses them. And two, they'll say, well, this is not a real person's number, so a business number, and, and there you go. So doing all those three things for me has really <laughs> cut down on the problem. That's some great advice. And, and like you, I kind of do the uh, the false number, but I, I kind of go a little bit more old school with it. Mine is more 867-5389. Yes. <laughs> That's the first yeah, thing yeah, I thought yeah, of. Yeah. Poor Jenny. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm for a, anybody's area code. That number is torched. It's burned forever. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he brings up a great point about whenever you are registering for different things, and that kind of goes back to something, Jeremy, and I've mentioned this many times before, too, and that is the free app Google Voice. One thing that I did is a while back, whenever I was starting to write my books and kind of putting myself out there, I did, you know, of course, I wanted to be people to be able to contact me, but I didn't want to give out my personal phone number. So what I did is I went into Google Voice, uh, free service from Google, got another number so they can give you a number in your area. And you get some online controls with that to where you can kind of redirect. It's been a lot easier to filter. So I can give out that particular number. You never actually get my real cell phone number. But depending on the rules that I set up, I can forward those calls over. I can actually have Google Voice intercept them and let me know, and then I can go back in and check them, things like that. So it may be a nice way of putting a filter in there. It's super easy to sign up for a number in Google Voice and have a an, an actual number assigned to you from whatever area code you want. You could be in this certain place, but sign up to get a number in an area code basically from anywhere. Right, right. Is that how some of these robocallers spoof these numbers over and over and over again in different ways? Are they using Google Voice or, I guess, maybe like uh, no. services that are similar to that? They would use things that are similar to that. Uh, Google, from everything that I've ever read on it, they're very aggressive at watching. Uh, you can't really make mass phone calls with their system. It is really meant for that one-on-one. Ah. Uh, so they do try to protect that. It, it, it's just like way back in the day, Gmail used to be used very heavily for mass spamming, and they've put protections in place that you cannot send a massive amount out. It, just ways to kind of knock that down. So uh, Google Voice did originally, I think, go through some of those headaches, but they've they've definitely matured on the other side of it. For more conversation like this, or to have your personal tech problems addressed, listen to MPB's Everyday Tech. The show is now on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and TuneIn. Visit the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash MPB Everyday Tech. And of course, listen weekdays at 10 a.m. right here on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. It's an expensive cycle. Insurance, gas, maintenance. Let us help break it by turning that car of yours into public radio. If your car is more work than it's useful, donate it to us. We'll pick it up, get top dollar for it, and use the funds to bring you more of your favorite shows. You might even qualify for a tax deduction. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPV Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. March is National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, the second deadliest cancer killer in the United States. Colorectal cancer cases are too often the result of fear and avoidance of screening. Mississippi currently ranks 47th in the country for colorectal screening. Dr. Vonda Reeves, partner with GI Associates uh, Center in Flowood, tells our Michael Guidry what that ranking means. The ranking for Mississippi has to do with the percentage of people in our population who have actually been screened for colon cancer. And to say that we rank 47th, that means that less than 70% of our population has been screened. As it stands, uh, as most recently as 2016, only 64% of our population has been screened. So we are behind the rest of the nation with our screening protocols for colon cancer. March is National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Um, What can people do to be more aware of the threat that is colorectal cancer, and how can they prevent it? Well, they need to understand some numbers, just like with any other disease. You have to know that in Mississippi this year, about 1,700 new cases of colon cancer will be detected. And this year, we'll lose about 700 people from colon cancer itself. So what awareness is, is making you think about something that needs to be done. Unfortunately, a lot of Americans don't do colon cancer prevention, and the best way to do that is to get a colonoscopy. You have to remember, in the United States, colorectal cancer is the second most common cause of cancer deaths when you combine both men and women, but it can be almost 100% preventable. You said it's the second highest yes. in the United States, but you also say it's, it's very preventative. So where's the disconnect? Is there, is there a fear or an anxiety about colorectal screening? Absolutely. Most of the population has a fear and they avoid colon cancer screening because they think that it is something that they don't want to go through. But basically, when I see patients, the PrEP is probably one of the things that puts people off the most. But the procedure itself, it is very simple. It has a risk of complications of less than 1%. And the good thing about it is that I tell my patients is that they're going to miss the whole thing. They're going to sleep right through the examination. Most of them wake up saying, is it over yet? So it is not a painful procedure. Um, It is something that you get through with quite simply. Uh, And we even have different ways of prepping now. Most people don't want to drink a gallon of liquid. No problem. We have preps that are low volume, and we even have irrigation systems where you don't even have to drink a prep. You come in, you just have a little tube put in your rectum, and your colon is irrigated right before the procedure. When do you recommend people begin colorectal screening? Well, it's quite simple. If you're at average risk, which means no family history of polyps or colon cancer, the age for screening is 50. But if you have a risk factor, like an, a relative like your mom, your sister, your brother, or your grandparents, you should be screened 10 years before the age that they were diagnosed. So if, if grandpa had colon cancer at age 50 or your mother had colon cancer at age 50, you should get the test at age 40. 
Now, there are subgroups that are concerning also. African Americans have earlier onset disease. So African Americans should be screened at age 45. There are certain genetic types such as Lynch syndrome or familiar polyposis. Those individuals can be screened as early as 20 years old. So go to your doctor, tell them your family history, and then get screened. Dr. Reeves, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to articulate about colorectal cancer, colorectal screening? Well, the bottom line is this, that there you should, if your doctor forgets to refer you, you can go to any gastroenterologist and get the procedure done. Don't wait for the referral. Don't bill up excuses for it. And you, you need to understand that it is a simple procedure. It is something very easy to go through with, with very little, um, little downside for it at all. So come on, let's prevent this 100% preventable disease. Dr. Vonda Reeves is a partner with Mississippi GI Associates and Endoscopy Center. Dr. Reeves, thank you so much for this information. All right. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And before we leave you, I want to remind you that for more information on the coronavirus, that information is available on our website. That's mpbonline.org. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.